<laughs> Let's go. Welcome to the intro. I'm Josh Anderson. And I'm Bob Galen. Yeah. We're going to keep this intro simple. <laughs> Josh is doing Kazi, right? Yeah. I'm done with conferences. Mm-hmm. On to the episode. Wow. Amazing. Welcome to the Metacast. I'm Josh Anderson. And I'm Bob Galen. Is this the sultry sounds of jazz, Bob this Galen? This is the sultry sounds of smooth Bob Galen jazz. Yes. You know what I learned about? What? I learned about the lick. Do you know about the lick? What the hell is the lick? It's this, there's this lick in jazz that's like used everywhere. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah. Can you, can you? <laughs> no. <laughs> Come on. No. There was a guy you I worked with. Tease, that has... You can't tease people about the lick and then not give us the lick. Uh, well, so what I'll do is I'll send like, you wink, a. Wink, 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 wink. Something. Go do it on a guitar. I, I am You're not... physically incapable of doing that. Doing that? Yeah. Go to YouTube and search the the lick jazz, and you'll see it. You hear it go. Oh yeah, okay. All right, that yeah, was pretty was, lame. You should you should have given it to the Metacasters. They've earned that. You should be able to like be, show vulnerability, take a risk. Come on, there's vulnerability, the then plate. there's capability. All right, it doesn't matter. I don't even. Have it's I not even my cap- brain. Have, have I shown capability about anything? No. Anything exactly. So step up to the Galen zone. Give us the lick. I don't. Uh, okay. The Lick, YouTube.com, The Lick Jazz. <laughs> you so I'm helping people learn how to fish. But but you have to show them. Give them the lick. <laughs> I did. All right, all right. Okay. So today's topic, uh, kind of like that intro, we may have overcomplicated the intro. Our goal, our discussion today is about simplification and trying to keep things simple. In fact, I even heard somebody say this week, keep it stupid simple. As opposed to what we've always heard, keep it simple, stupid. I like that. I like that. But the reason this is a topic is I've been seeing a lot of things where we have a problem and our, the royal hour, so engineering organizations in general, that's where I spend most of my time, our initial response is to build the most elegant solution to the problem. That's what... We like, I think. I don't know. I'm trying to figure out why we do that. Like why our our predilection is um, let's not do simple. Like let's not do. Well, I mean, as an engineer, I can think back. I mean, I went to school late 70s, early 80s. My first programming job was 80, I think. Um, and what? 1980. Oh, 1980. Oh, okay. 80, not 1880. Okay. Uh, I just wanted clarification. Um, and the point I'm trying to make, though, is I remember back then, the I, complexity made me feel uh, good. It was exciting to create complex solutions, right? Com- complex algorithms, complex math, right? It's it was engineering. Mm-hmm. It was like problem solving. So I went to Max, I, and I, it wasn't just me. I think a lot of engineers, and through the eighties and the nineties, it was. You know, if you looked at engineer solutions, we weren't talking about simplicity. We were talking about, and the the discussions and the requirements were always about the edge cases, right? 
well, mm-hmm. oh, we have to, oh, we have to consider this, and oh, we have to consider that. And by the time you ended up, when I was at Lucent, for example, yeah. doing switching systems, I mean, we would take an already complex requirement and just talking about it as engineers, we would like one up each other. Oh, what about fault tolerance under those yeah. conditions? And you'd be, like, oh, you're right. Oh my God, that's going to be a problem. We got to solve for that. But the and so all their energy, it wasn't intentional. It wasn't bad. These are great people, but we had a magnetic attraction to complexity. And it's always with good intent, but it's like we spiral out of control so fast. But you see this, to, you've seen it all throughout your career, yeah. I'm sure. And I've done it. It's like we have a tendency. It makes me smile. <clears throat> complexity makes me smile. Or do you think that's it? Do you think it's, it's, it's the challenge of having the answer to everything, even though you might not get asked every question? I think it's I think it's really multifaceted. I don't think it's something we're doing intentionally. I think it's like a magnetic attraction. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like solving a simple problem versus solving a hard problem. What, what makes what attracts you? Hard problem, right? Yeah. Right. I, I'm, maybe yeah. not now, but historically, no, yeah, yeah. right? Oh, oh my God! Look at the complexity of that problem. That's really well. But I mean, I, I think about my career, and I get excited about big, scary, gross problems. Exa- exactly. And, and and fixing things. Mm-hmm. So let's flip it around. Not new, but like fixing fixing a minor bug or fixing a really hairy bug. What, mm-hmm. get, what gets you excited? Yeah. Fixing a big right. hairy bug, right? Solving a big problem. So I think we're sort of hardwired that way. When was the last time someone high-fived you as an engineer for a really simple, elegant solution? So, so, so Oh, well, a simple, elegant solution. I think that happens. The simple problem where like, yeah, it's a... It's but a, but simplicity, when do, you know, so high five for complexity, high five for simplicity. I think, I think we're all sort of wired for the complexity side of things. So that's one, one reaction I have. The other one I want to see how you, is I think simplicity is really, really hard. Mm-hmm. And, and we avoid it because it's, it's like getting, you, because you have to get to the essence of something, right? Like it's almost like a shotgun versus a precise 22 rifle, right? Mm-hmm. The shotgun approach, I, I, I implement all of this stuff, right? And something's going to hit the, the, the ask. Over here, I need narrow understanding and precision to have like the simplest possible thing that can work. Right. I think that's actually harder. And so I think, I think some of us are scared by that, right? Like shotgun is easier to be successful than, than rifle, what do you think? React to all that gibberish I said. I, so I agree um, that it's easier, but it's like in trying to do the easy thing, we make it harder on ourselves because we get into this death spiral of uh, the point that you brought up about all of the edge cases, right? We start thinking of all of these edge cases and all the things that could happen. And again, it's done with the best intent, but the likelihood of that scenario happening is oh, very low. Absolutely. Absolutely very low, but we spend 90% of our effort trying to insulate ourselves. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's a, it's a big challenge there. There's an article that I was introduced, um, called choose boring technology. And it's a set of slides that this guy put together. That's, that, that's really good. And just talking about, just choose the boring stuff that works, right? right? Don't automatically go to the most shiny, new, complex thing that's unproven. Choose proven, boring well, you've seen technology. The, didn't you see this at the dude where you guys, and I'm not saying it was bad, so there was this energy towards new tools. Mm-hmm. There was energy towards new frameworks, mm-hmm. right? 
and you chose them. Yeah. Now you would bake them off and you would intelligently engineer them and you would make sure that you weren't going crazy with it, but there was energy towards that. Uh, that's energy towards complexity, right? And all of that was based in fear of what life will be like in 10 years exactly. when this thing's running. We have to stay up to, right? Right, like we have to get ahead of the curve. Exactly. We, we, we have to be there before exactly. we're there, so that way when we're there, we're okay. Exactly. You know, it, it's, it's, it's paranoia. And the thing that I've been trying over the past few, few months is just trying to get people comfortable with good enough like this does this solve the problem we have right now first of all it's what problem are we trying to solve i was in a discussion yesterday where we were we were building this three-dimensional model for how how we're gonna track bugs you know it's start it started off as just what's what's the priority then it became priority and severity then it became priority severity and the third thing i didn't even know what it was and it was just like we we just made this harder uh, with and again, all with good intent. Trying, trying to think about well, what if this happens? What happens here? What do we do? And then someone asked, well, what what problem are we trying to solve? And there was there was one legitimate answer that was given, but um, as I went and asked the people that would have had that problem, it wasn't really that big of an issue. They didn't feel, yeah, I'm not like losing sleep that's not causing my job to be harder than it needs to be we're not comfortable with simplicity yeah. we're not we're not comfortable with good enough yeah right we say it and and it gets worse in agile not worse but we we talk about mvps and we talk about good enough and we talk about iterating mm-hmm. we talk about pivoting but behind the scenes i think our dna is still very uncomfortable with those concepts right and we and we we don't resonate to that direction we resonate towards the complexity so i want to say something haven't thought it through. I want you to think. I I think most agile implementations fail because they fail to maintain simplicity. Oh, I would agree. I would agree. And it's not simplicity just in product. It's simplicity everywhere. Yeah, just of the process and of the organization and everything. There's the what uh, Conway's law, that thing where the system ends up representing the organizational structure. So you build this complex org structure with all these different levels and surprisingly your product ends up looking like that. So there's there's all these things that are out there. Agile is intended to keep things simple, yet we don't let it just work. I mean processes. We were talking uh, this morning we had our Vaco. We have a coaching guild in Vaco and then we have a, like a little, you know, small like a staff meeting or something. Mm-hmm. And uh Mary and Jim were talking about uh, the coaches at each of our engagements. At the end of each week, they do a little synopsis. Mm-hmm. And it has different forms. Uh, and some of them are more like SOW-related, like objective-related and mm-hmm. red, red, green, yellow-related. And some of them are just more anecdotal uh, and, and sharing the culture. And uh, I get value in reading all of them. Um, but we talked about creating a common... This morning, it was like we're going to create a common report format and common rules, and common this and that, right? And uh, and you have to do it on Fridays and get it in by this time or, or whatever, and we have to aggregate them. And we copy the clients on this as well, right? So it, it's not just sent to us, we it's sent to the client. Yeah. And I think that, that transparency is really cool, uh, but I'm worrying that we're, we're creating process and intellectual complexity like it was just working, right? Right. So what I'm saying is, it was just working, right? It was working fine. You know, it wasn't common, right? But it was working fine, 
but what do we do? We come in and we try to like processize it. And I'm not complaining, Mary or anyone who's listening. I'm not. I'm using it as an example. Uh, but it's. I think. I think you know we have these. You know, oh, we need we need seamlessness, or we need commonality, or we need a process for this, right? Um, and we just add complexity to very simple systems. Lay organic. This mm-hmm. was an organic thing. Largely, this was organic, and it was kind of cool to see it evolve. And then we remove the organicness of it. So I'm going to say another thing. I think all of this over optimization is blamed on lean. Like, oh, there's waste there. Like, there, there's waste that three people are doing it three different ways. Like, we should, we should stop that. When in reality, it's not waste. I don't know if it's totally, that's one way. It's also managers like Mary and Jim are trying to manage things, right? And our old DNA gets in our way, mm-hmm. right? Our old baggage gets in our way of, oh, I need a status report. I mean, you've done that. Right? No, I hate status reports. But you've done it historically yeah, in your life, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. And you've, and you know, so that's, that's a way to solve, that's a historic, so another part I think of the simplicity or not getting there is bringing our baggage into play. Mm-hmm. We've solved it this way historically. So we solved it with this, this process historically. So instead of being comfortable, we're going to bring that forward. Yeah. So it's like rolling wave complexity. Do you know what I mean? Uh, so lean could have been part of it, but I think also baggage, like rolling wave, just we've always done it this way. Let's continue to do it this way instead of reinventing or embracing a new way. Very, very uncomfortable. How do you, how do you change that though? I mean, how do you introduce, I think another part of the, the challenge is how the hell do you train people, influence mm-hmm. people, encourage people to, to simplify their thinking I've I've struggled to be honest. I've struggled with that. Yeah. Like, how do you how do you change that if that, those patterns are there? I don't know anything other than just being that annoying guy asking why and what problem are we solving and how does this make life better and what's the likelihood of that actually happening? Like that 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 right now that's my only weapon. I don't know that I have anything else besides just shining a light on it and trying to or get... demanding. I, I I think in terms of yes. And maybe being the demanding person mm-hmm. who dictates, but maybe that's counter to agile. So I, I was jotting down earlier, like, and I haven't used it. I have only used it a few times, but Basecamp. Mm-hmm. So the 37 Signals guys, mm-hmm. and they talked about, we're not going to listen to customers. We're going to create simplicity. Or, we're going to determine what the usage model is. Yeah, We're going to, because it's a cost. Mm-hmm. And I think a small group of people, you know, sort of, triggered on simplicity and we know and then use it if you want do you know what i'm saying and they kept the the guardrails there the other thing they were simple on is staff like they didn't have a lot of people so they only had some mailchimp sort of does this a little Mm -hmm. bit uh in in that we have limited we're going to be lean not lean or unlean the way you were saying it but we're going to be lean in our in our people which is right. going to be lean in our work which is going to be lean in our product which forces us which to, forces yeah. us to be simple and one person or it's not committee it's if we someone is keeping them on point so not only asking those annoying questions but when push comes yourself says no we're not going to do that we're going to do this mm-hmm. do you know what i mean like a, like the simple cop or something like that I think it almost needs something. I'm wondering if it needs something like that. I've seen it in scrum teams where a product owner can really drive simplicity. Right. But it's the sheer force of their will and their awareness and their, their risk-taking 
right? They have to take risks because they're deciding what's in and what's out. And that's pretty stark. One of the things that I run into often in my travels is I do think the common generator for this overcomplication is fear. And a common consistent fear I see, especially in places where there's a transformation from something to agile, there's this fear based on baggage of how things always were, to your point, that we're never going to actually come back and make things better. Like this is our, this is our one shot. We've talked in a previous we, Metacast, like, I think, about that. And I think that's and, part and of it. And it's we've got to cover all the so one scenarios. shot syndrome. Yeah. So no matter what, do I trust that we are iterative? So in some environments, you're not iterative, right? So it is one shot syndrome. And mm-hmm. so nowadays, it's mostly agile. But am I really going to get? Is it still a facade for one shot syndrome? Right. So and what happens? There's a lot of places that go agile, air quotes. And they iterate, but they don't actually iterate on a product. So they do sprints and they do those things, but they don't maintain a focus on that product. It's shipped and then it's on to the next thing. Um, and they don't, so they don't have that MVP approach where we're going to get it out there. We're going to get the feedback. We're going right. to iterate and make it better. It's just, it's really scrum or fall and they're fooling themselves. So if you see that practice where you say you're agile, but you really only get one shot with a product because well, you're on the project, next thing. Well, it's project, right? I've written about this in a blog post. It's like project thinking mm-hmm. where projects are sort of step functions. Yeah. We do it, we stop, and we move on to the next project versus product thinking. Mm-hmm. A lot of non-agile environments or historical environments were project-based, even on their products, right? And mm-hmm. they would just stop. And and you don't get a one. Yeah, yeah so. and. And that's driven by like funding models and things like that. And like archaic I, funding models. Yeah, like I've spoken at, at, at large organizations and somebody's in the back step, steps up. So how do you, what accounting model do you use to fund these projects? And I say, I don't fund projects. I fund teams that build products. Exactly. And they continually refine and build the most important things. Like there's, there's not a project anymore. But sometimes you're, you're up against an accounting model and the way funding is given out and not given out and and I'm going to fund this this feature and that's it and then we're done then we're on to the next feature as opposed to I'm going to fund a team of people that are really good at building really great stuff and I just give them a big problem they solve it and they keep making it better and better so so I buy the, this sort of fear driven or historical that's one mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of other drivers for it so there is fear is a driver I think there's fear. I think it goes back to some of the things you brought up when we started that there's a, in the engineering community, uh, complexity is celebrated. You know, like one of those things that I, that I never liked that always made things difficult for me to wrap my head around was some of the, there's like, uh, there's like code golf and things like that, where let's see how creative a solution you can come up with to solve a problem in as few lines as possible. Okay. But it's like you have to know the magic and the secret sauce in those lines, as opposed to maybe I write it and it's twice as many lines, right. but anybody can walk in and, and, and follow it and understand it and know what's going on. Or these, these, these regular expressions that are 850 characters long and you don't really know what's going on. Somebody right. wrote it, and like everybody's afraid to touch it. But it's like, yeah, look at that. I did that in one line. That was cool. And it's like, no, that's not 
cool to me because it's not maintainable. Like what happens when you go in the lottery or you retire and somebody else ha- has to go break that thing down? Like, what are you going to do? How are they going to solve that? Right. You're not there. Right. But we celebrate that. Or there's, there are mechanisms that have created celebrations around it uh, that have always been mind boggling to me. I think because maybe I wasn't the best engineer and I didn't see it and I liked it simple because it was easier for me to pick up and for me to wrap my head around instead of, holy crap, like, how did you do that? Like, I never, I never learned that. Like, how am I going to figure that out? That's not, that's not a valuable thing. Right. But in some circles that's viewed as, that's well done, sir. I mean, it's accepted too. I think there's like a, you know, I have a client in Texas and they're, they're redoing their product. Mm-hmm. They're trying to redo their product and, and they have product complexity, project, application, right? Mm-hmm. They have apps. It's an IT firm. So they have lots of, you know, tens and tens and tens and it's data. They have more data-centric applications. Um, and they look at the world and it is, so they look at the world and they accept the complexity rather than trying to simplify it. Mm-hmm. And, and it's sort of, you, in this discussions, like one of the first things they say to me as a coach is, well, it's just a complex system. They're, they're almost, in, that's the first phrase out of their mouth is like, we're in complexity and there's no, they're not saying it this way and there's nothing we can do about it. Rather than uh, we've, we've created complexity and we need to work hard to simplify it. Mm-hmm. It's a mindset thing. So there's like acceptance and then problem solving to it or there's uh, non-acceptance, like not accept, but realization that you can change it, you can simplify it, mm-hmm. and then work hard to. So, you, so your job should be, you know, you have a choice. You're at a crossroads. Am I engineering solutions to handle the complexity, or am I reducing the complexity and then doing the solutions? Right. Yeah, I gotcha. And and every, they seem to be gravitating towards that left hand that left hand road, not even knowing that there's a right hand road, mm-hmm. that there's an alternative. It's just pure acceptance. And I hear it. Oh, it's a ba- it's a badge of honor. It's a badge of reality. Right. Right. And and I think to myself, and I try in the conversations just in my own head because I can't handle their complexity. I simplify it all the time in my head. I might even try to help them simplify something. It's like, let me. What are you talking? Oh, is it this? And it's like, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's it's sort of like that, but it's very it's so much more than. Oh, so it's like it's it's a very simple. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a simple exchange based system. But blah, 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 blah. And, you know, so, yeah, there's acceptance, there's fear. There, we're wired that way. Mm-hmm. And it's not just the engineers. Oh, yeah. I mean, no. a lot of the people yeah. I'm talking about, these are product managers, right? right? These are folks that are ta- stakeholders <clears throat> and stuff. Uh, history comes into play, too. I remember at EMC, for example, we used to, when we implemented requirement lists, so mm-hmm. stakeholders would give us, like, lists of features for a release, and they would they would guess, so they didn't know, so so they looked at everything as being free or relatively the same. So they'd give us these lists, and we'd work our butts off to implement these things. And then we would instrument, we would actually check usage after release, and like thirty percent of the stuff that they asked us to implement were used, right. and seventy percent wasn't. Yeah. And I always thought they're just freaking guessing. Now the get, they're not bad people. They don't know. Right. So I think like. A lack of knowledge may be part of it as well, right? Like I just don't know what people want, so why don't I? Why don't I create everything? Yeah, it's sort of this like you know, if I actually don't know, if I build everything possible that they would ever want, then it then again this shotgun. Oh right, but but 
If you go back to the simplest solution of that, the simplest solution is ask. Yeah. Ask the customers <laughs> yeah, exactly. but no, it's what a, they yeah, want. Exactly. But it's like we're... It's a sign of weakness, We're right? incapable. We're unwilling. We're... I don't... Like... I, I don't know it, it shows why we're weakness. Not, it shows weakness. Do you think that's it? Like, people are afraid of... Because you're saying, I don't know. But you're not saying, you don't know. Like, hey, you, you use this every day. No, I value you are, your opinion. Yeah, but you're asking, right? I pay you to, to do this. What are you bothering me for? You're supposed to read my mind. I, yeah, I'm, I I'm not I arguing. Yeah. I'm, I'm just... I, no, I know. I, don't. I, think there's a, I think there's fear of the I don't know or, or the variations of that. Right of asking, it's like a sign of weakness. I'm not justifying. I'm not saying it's good. Yeah, no, it's just I don't. My brain doesn't work like that. I know. So, but like I've had to coach people that have worked with slash for me, and we're like, I need you to get comfortable saying I don't know. I don't know, and asking for help. Yeah, like it's not, and also it, arguing about things. Yeah, like we don't argue. Like again, back at EMC, we didn't argue. Yeah, you didn't push back. On we didn't that push back anything. List, yeah. We sucked, and this stuff cost. I mean, it cost time. It cost sweat. It cost overtime. It cost marriages. I mm-hmm. mean, we were in death marches. Mm-hmm. If we'd have been able to shift seventy percent of the esk off, mm-hmm. I mean, we would have been in you know Nirvana. Yeah, it, it's yeah. It, so it's it's very messy, but I think that's part of the dynamic. So it's so it's a system. So there's system drivers. Mm-hmm. There's personal drivers as well. Right? Yeah. There's personal drivers within each of us. It, it's one of these like confounding things for me. I think there's probably. So why don't we flip? I'm not trying to. Is there, are there companies who do? I'm th- I was thinking Tesla as I was looking at you just now, and I'm, I, I don't drive a Tesla, so I don't know Tesla. But I, I'm like I'm wondering. I've heard people who drive it, and they're like really enamored with mm-hmm. everything that's in it. Seems to have a purpose, mm-hmm. and it can be, and it's repurpose of you, like you can change the software and change the functionality. Yeah. So I'm wondering, are there companies that we can use as an example, maybe to mine for, like Apple? I wonder if they achieve simplicity. Or it doesn't even have to be software. I don't. Yeah. It could be a bike manufacturer or something. It could be sports. Uh, who who's good at it? I, my gut says the thirty seven signals guys. The thing that I and it's like I start making this excuse and I get mad at myself for saying this, but I've found really effective companies like it, it's really easy when you're a user of the product you're building, like. GitHub and 37 Signals. Ah. All of the people so, building it are also active users. So eating your every day. Atlassian, probably to some degree, right? right because they use food. that. So it, it's it's so there. So there was this concept of uh, I forget what it was called, but basically it was you decide what to work on, not somebody up top, that product manager or whatever that you were talking about that gave you this list of 50 things, like you decide what the most important thing is. So they do that in, in these places. And I really wanted to latch onto that, but then I realized that's only effective if you're an active consumer of the thing you're producing. Because otherwise you're just... Because you're not close enough to it no. and you don't, and you're guessing and you're not doing that thing. Right. Whereas you see, you feel that pain, that frustration of, gosh, I wish this was easier and you use it every day and it's frustrating and annoying and you see how it slows you down. Well, and you go to lunch with 10 of your colleagues and either they tell you you're not using it properly or they all 
commiserate with you and say, yeah, that's really painful. So you can get confirmation, right? Like locally. Yeah. So like I find myself making excuses for myself when I look at those other companies and say, well, yeah, but I'm not in a situation where we're consumer of the thing that we're producing. So it's like, it's like I give myself a pass and then I get mad at myself for doing that. And I try and figure out, is that a reality? Like, can you really do that without being an active daily consumer of the thing? And my mind says no, but my but but my heart is like, ah, you got to do better than that. So, are there things? So, so what are the things to draw? Active consumer. Mm-hmm. Um, as you were talking, I was thinking whip. So, I'm I'm triggering off of like Mailchimp or Thirty Seven Signals. Very lean. So mm-hmm. few people. So there are companies who are producing products mm-hmm. that are very valuable and usable. With very few people, mm-hmm. like a surprisingly huge number, relative to their relative to their competitors, right? Yeah, uh, Mailchimp is like that. Thirty-seven signals. I mean, they haven't grown. I remember reading like forty people, fifty people, or something. They they have a markedly small mm-hmm. team. So so maybe size, like like committing one team to it. Yeah. So if you you can't grow, right? You can't attack. Right, you can have all of this complexity that you want, but you only have one group of people that can work on it. So, does size come into play? To me, I think a key driver is a simplistic mission and not trying to be all things for all people. Like this is that 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 old thing of do one thing and do it really that's well. That's what I'm saying. Like that that's what they do. They're comfortable with it. And they value it and they're going to hold to it because they know that's part of the success I've had. Whereas there's many places I've been, either working directly or coaching, where they're uncomfortable saying no. And that, that by definition, if I have a small team, I have to be narrow. Yeah. I was also thinking whip limits. So you have to work on a few things, Mm -hmm. right? You can't work, like working on parallel things would be insidious. Mm -hmm. So small team, tight mission, using your own stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, adhering to very tight whip limits, getting mm-hmm. something done, and then you know, measuring that or using that. And, 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 and that ruthless prioritization is the thing, right? Of To your point, the whip limit, the saying no, there are so many people where instead of getting rigorous about what we're not going to do or what we're going to do, they just make the team bigger and do more. And then that create that you see, you that's see, a compounding complexity. You see that a, a lot, actually. That's a part like it, it's surprising how you know we're throwing bodies at it mm-hmm. rather than that's another indicator of this. Rather than just saying no, I'm yeah. going to dedicate one. I mean, literally, I and, and I'm being serious. I think Basecamp was produced by like less for, and was was nurtured for years with like less than 15 people or something like Mm -hmm. that. It was a relatively, the whole company was small right? and it was a viable product and they figured out how to do that. So maybe simplicity is like these massive constraints that we're uncomfortable with. Like you can, you only get one team, Josh. Yeah. Like that's it. We're never going to argue about it. Mm -hmm. Right. Maybe five years from now you'll get a second team or something. So figure it out to maximize that one team. How are you going to do that as a product person, right? Does that change the dynamics of your product backlog? Yes. Does it change the dynamics of your ordering? Yeah. It does. And I, I think like we go back to the underlying principles of how the product or how the company is run. So you think about many companies where external funding 
comes into play. Yeah. And at that point, like I've been places where investors are saying deploy capital. Why are you not spending the money that I just gave you? Right. Because I know if you spend that money, the return will be greater. So spend more, hire more, do more, do all these things. And that ratchets up the complexity and makes something that's hard even harder. Well, the whole agile scaling thing, as you were talking, Mm -hmm. I was thinking of Pendo downtown. Mm -hmm. And Pendo is growing gangbusters. And, and, but at the end of the day, I think they have very simple products, mm-hmm. but there's probably a danger there at some point, yeah. right? And they're, and they're generating lots of funding. So it's like, and you have to spend it. Mm-hmm. So what, you know, one is, you know, on the sales side, but another is on the engineering side, mm-hmm. like increase the product at some fun. And then they're, they're already getting to the point where scaling is going to be, they're building an inherent. So this isn't product complexity. This right. is what product building complexity Right. And they're, then they're going to try to do scaling optimizations with like safe or something like that. Whereas if they would keep it down to just a small number of teams, they'd probably be just as efficient. Yeah. They're, they're this is a, weird, but it's almost impossible yeah. to do that because they have to grow. Right. Yeah. I, so when I was young, uh, first out of school, I spent a stupid amount of money on my first car because I'm like, I got money. I want to buy a car. What kind of car did you get? It was. It, it doesn't was, matter. No, no it, but tell me what it, kind. But I want to know. It, so it was the car I wanted. What was it? It was the Pontiac Grand Prix GTP. That's what I want to know. It was. It had turbo. It had all these things. Oh, listen, listen to how stupid I was. I got a car. Uh, let, let's see. Um, I. I just signed on for my first job. I was making $32,000 a year. <gasps> Guess how much this car cost? I don't know. $32,000. Did it really? Yeah. <laughs> so I, so I, so you blew a year. I was so happy. I was so proud of myself. I walk into the dealership and I say, I want that car. No. And he said, okay. And I said, how much is it? $32,000. And I said, okay, let's do it. Like the, I made that car salesman's day. It's exactly, just a total exactly. idiot. But I, but I didn't know. I didn't know anything. Clearly, I didn't know anything. But I didn't know that tires were a thing. And like for a car that could go that fast, you had to have these like Z-rated tires oh and these God. things. So car, tires were stupid expensive. Yep. But it was like your organization has a tire rating. Yep. It's got a speed that you can maximize, and. You've got to understand the tires you have. If you don't have the right tires, they're going to blow up, yep. and it's going to be messy, and you're going to be on the side of the road for a long time. Yep. So make sure before you try and go fast, you've got those super expensive tires, right. and they're ready to go, yep. and everything's ready. Otherwise, you're going to have a disaster. I'm almost convinced that like the MailChimps of this world is, is the right model, and everything else is like you know, bull from the point of view, I just think we're over it. We're enamored with even, you know, people complexity, organizational Mm -hmm. complexity, right? Product, not being able to say no. And I don't know. It's just part of the natural growth of things. Some of it is just, we have all these people, we have to do something with them. We have to throw them into projects. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think there are companies that just get so much per person, Mm -hmm. right? And just really usable software that I, I don't think I think everyone else has the wrong model. And I, I and I have come to my own personal conclusion that that the key driver is the funding model for that company. I, I agree with you. I mean, you can you can see it yeah. in these companies. It's like you have to grow again a complexity thing rather than keep it simple. The other thing. So what's common? Thirty. There is a common factor. Thirty-seven signals is not, and Mailchimp are privately held. Mm-hmm. Companies with different different models, right? Mm-hmm. Different monetization models, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not 
they're ne- they're not doing public funding or anything like that. I think. Yeah, I don't know what they're funding, but it, it's 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 no, it's very yeah. it's it's very mom and pop. That's my assumption is that I think the it's, fact that they choose to run that way, there 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 is no one in a boardroom saying spend the money I just gave you exactly. Yeah, but and it's these not products are not simple. Yeah, right? I mean, no, yeah. I'm, I'm not I'm not saying they're com- but these are these are business. I mean, these are real. Really elegant products, right? Mm-hmm. They're very useful products. They have, you know, lots of customers using them. So it's just it's they're inherently simply built and maintained, uh, maybe by the models, but it doesn't mean that they're they're simple and not useful products. What else for drivers? I wonder for simplicity. I think did we drivers for simplicity or drivers for uh, the complexity? Drivers for uh, drivers against drivers for. Simplicity, ways to inherently. We've talked about some things like mission and size might be factors to drive towards. Anything else that I'm trying to stick a fork in this episode? I think we've got to. I don't have any more meat on the bone for a fork. Yeah, I mean we've talked about tendency. You know, a tendency for it. It's just really hard. Yeah, I think it's. I think that's the future, though. If you talk about the future. I think companies that will compete are the ones they will compete on simplicity. Yeah. Right. Uh, I really do. I so, mean, I mean that, that's yeah. not to say uh, I can compete successfully by throwing like thousands of people at things. But that in turn creates complexity and makes an already hard yeah. problem more complex. And not just not just the solution, not just the product solution, but the organizational solution mm-hmm. becomes incredibly like I'm distributing yeah. like distributing teams, right? Yeah. If I have 20 people working on it, I can co-locate them. Yeah. If I have 200 and I'm worried about mutton, now I start going over yeah. you know overseas. Yeah. So I I think the takeaway, and I feel a little bad, but I don't know anything other than be vigilant, right? Like you have to be ever vigilant because it's happening everywhere and you will catch yourself doing it. And everybody needs somebody that can question and challenge, why are we jumping to a complex solution? Why, why is this the first answer? Why, why can't we do a true MVP approach? The simplest thing. What's the simplest thing we can do to solve this problem and do that and try it and see if that fails. As you were talking, I also said, I'm thinking to myself, high performance teams are part of the simplicity. Mm -hmm. So if we focus on whatever that means, but they like these rock star teams, not Mm -hmm. rock star skill sets, but Rock stars in getting to simplicity, in producing as much stuff as they can, right? High mm-hmm. quality, working with the product, rock star product, like rock star scrum teams. Right. That's that's a. I, I think if you have mediocre teams, then you're throwing things at it. Mm-hmm. But another answer, if you will, is really invest in your teams. Mm-hmm. Really, sort of develop teams that and, and get out of their way. So that it's not you're not building your house on media mediocre teams. You're building your house on high performance teams right. would be another way to really drive there. Like a focus on team and really trying to get empower them. Like you you coming back to the full circle, you are the voice that nudges them towards simplicity. Mm-hmm. That like I think we need a nudge at a team level that inherently that's that's our mantra. And and it gets and you only leave when it's in the DNA when everyone else on the team is saying yeah. the same thing, right? right. Agreed. Agreed. So, from beautiful downtown Cary, North Carolina, this is Simple Bob Galen. And Complex Josh Anderson. Shake. (laughs) And bake. Take care, (laughs) y'all. You could have gone with even more.